You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. The postseason for winter sports is finally here, and Midco SN has it covered like no one else. Catch full coverage of the Summit League Basketball Tournament in all its glory, beginning on Saturday, March the 7th, and then come back the following week for the NCHC quarterfinals from the Ralph, starting Friday, March the 13th. For all the details, head to MidcoSN.com and get ready for a March to Remember. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. All right, another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast is here, taping this on a Monday morning, March the 2nd. Alex Seinert, Bill Shaves. You talk about a switch to a month. The weather's getting better. March really is, this is, this is the month everybody looks forward to, I think, after the long winter, Bill. This, this is the time of year when good things happen. We talked about it on the pod last week. It's a great sports month. It's a pretty good weather month, usually. People have smiles on their faces today for a number of different reasons. Happy March, Bill. Yeah, Alex. I, happy March to you as well. I, I think that depending on the gap in temperatures that you have wherever you are in the country, so I'll say either New England or Spokane because I'm familiar with those, you know, it's not as cold in those two climates, I think, than it is in Grand Forks. So I think there, when you get to maybe the 40s, it kind of always feels better. Here, the 30s really feels good, (laughs) really feels good. And so, um, because, you know, there was times where we're, you know, minus 10, 15, 20. So you're talking, it's a 50 50 degree gap at this point. And so, um, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, knock on wood, and I I don't pretend to to know much about, you know, weather and, and how it goes, but hopefully, Hopefully a slow thaw. That would be what mm. we could all use right now is a slow thaw. And I think even this week, just kind of you want to creep. You want to kind of creep to where you're going. We don't need a big jump right now. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think I had seen that flood stage projections are lower than they have been in, in the last couple of years. So that's good. But like you said, a lot of that is predicated on a slow thaw. And it looks like that will be the case, at least for the next 10 days or so, at least the minor forecast. A little bit of snow this week. Temps, though, in the 30s. Nothing like a 60-degree day to mess everything up. <laughs> but yes, a good time of year, certainly. Yeah, and you know, you just worry about, um, you know, obviously some things that could happen. But, you know, um, we, we've we said it on the pod before, and this is maybe one of our go-tos, is that we know who's undefeated, Father Time and Mother Nature. That's right. They just keep marching on. Not slowing down anytime soon, those two. They win, and a lot of times they win, and uh, you're, you're at running clock at some point in time. They're so far <laughs> ahead. Oh, it's a good way. Good way to start the podcast today uh, on the second day of March, uh, which is in like a lamb, yeah, but it's in like a lion and in like a, in like a fighting hawk, Bill, really, in a lot of different sense. It was a really good weekend across UND athletics, a lot of exciting stuff to get to here on the rundown, starting with hockey. Anytime you lift a trophy... That's a big deal. And this hockey team this weekend was able to sweep Western Michigan to earn their 18th conference title in the regular season all time. And third Penrose Cup in seven years, really special scenes at the Ralph all weekend long. Two hard fought games, North Dakota able to come out with the win in both uh, to send the seniors out in their final regular season home series on the right note. Yeah, it was a uh, certainly a special night any time that you can win a, a conference championship and any sort of championship. I mean, those are the, you know, you, you end up uh, starting, oh, I, this is 
ultimately a 365 day deal. So you can like separate it out into the calendar. Right. And so when you start, I'll call it day one of the, of the upcoming year, the very first thing is always, you know, to be competitive in your conference and to try to be the best in your conference. And so that's, that's the same for all of our programs here. And so uh, to kind of accomplish that goal, it, it's kind of a neat deal. And, uh, you know, those are things that you're going to remember for a lifetime. And, you know, you're always going to have that common bond uh, among uh, teams that uh, will come back and they kind of come in and they'll show their children and their grandchildren and they'll stare up at a banner like we saw with the 1980 team. And those are just big deals. They're huge, huge deals. So a special night on Saturday. And thanks to our fan base. I mean, I, you know, what an awesome environment and uh, just a uh, just a lot of fun. And uh, I, you know, heard your call. Your call was tremendous. Uh, I know Brad Schlossman gave you a shout out on it. And, uh, and, 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 it, and it was really, really good because a lot of times you just want the raw emotion of the fans and, and, and the players to kind of capture the moment. And so uh, so kudos to you as well. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, that was really nice of Brad to say that. And that's not to go too deep into the weeds in this, but you'll appreciate this. I like I take my cue from an old Carl Yastrzemski video. We had a we had a VHS of Carl Yastrzemski that kind of talked about his career and they showed his retirement ceremony, his last game at Fenway Park as a part of this old video. We watched this like every day. As I was at that up. game. Were you really? Well, there you go. Unbelievable. So when Yaz takes his walk around Fenway and the fans are on their feet and he's shaking hands and it's so special, you know, on the on the video, you can hear the announcer, the radio announcer, or I guess the television announcer of the Sox at the time says, now listen and watch and then shuts up and you just get a chance to see Yaz go around and you just hear the fans. And anytime we're in moments like that, where it calls for it's like yeah just remember that we have pictures and we have this incredible scene of 12,000 people celebrating with this group of guys that have just accomplished something so special nothing that I or Jake or anybody can say is going to add to that this is what you just want to see so it's easy just (laughs) say say the say what happened quickly and then just get out of the way and let those scenes unfold so those are special moments and uh you're right uh you know the picture's worth a thousand words well a video i don't know is is worth what and it just uh it was it's just special because you can just see the raw emotions and uh so yeah it was good yeah i was at that game how about that unbelievable yeah, of all the things, you know, you get older in life. I one time I, I was, I think I was on a flight, and I just was curious. I I kind of wrote down like the top ten moments that I I, I bet at live at, at events. That's obviously one of them. And uh, you know, I grew up, and Carl Yastrzemski was certainly at the tail end of his career because I was born in '66. So I really became. I guess, cognizant of what was going on, maybe 73, 74, for sure 74, but 73, I was still a little blurry about what was going on. <laughs> and then, and then for, for sure, 75, yeah. I mean, 75 is crystal clear, crystal clear. And, uh, um, but he was at the end more towards the end. And, uh, and so he was one of those guys that, uh, you know, I kind of grew up with and to be at that event, uh, you know, there was special and, you know, to really literally go from what Ted Williams to Carl Yaskremski, right. And then eventually Jim Rice and to have, you know, three left fielders in 50 years is crazy. Pretty cool. 
pretty cool stuff. I'll have to dig that VHS out of my parents' basement and let you borrow that sometime because it's awesome. It's mm. awesome. The, the other one, when I was uh, just a, a young little lad at about six years old, I, uh, I was at Fenway my first time, and uh, I kind of squeezed down to do, get an autograph. And as I squeezed down, it was 1972, and um, California Angels were playing, and I got an autograph of one Nolan Ryan that day. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> so that wasn't the worst. Not bad. No, no, not a bad day for Bill at the ballpark. That's awesome. Do you still have that, by the way? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, the uh, yes, yes. I've got a, uh, I, an okay collection. How about that? Uh, <laughs> not, not the worst. Oh, very cool. Good. Uh, well, we'll segue back to hockey. We could talk about that. that that's, this is, it's fun talking about those memories. And, but the, the, the VHS, by the way, was called Yaz from Fenway to Fame. And it was just fantastic. But anyway, good for the hockey team. Uh, really special night on Saturday. And the great thing about this, I mean, they really had to earn it. This wasn't a case of backing your way into a trophy because Duluth had won both of their games at CC. North Dakota knew you had to take all six points. And obviously, they had done the job on Friday. Going into overtime, they really had five minutes to lift the trophy and if they didn't score in that initial five minute overtime even if they would have won in three on three or in the shootout they wouldn't have gotten the points required to clinch it at home so you almost had that extra pressure of trying to do it with the 1980 national championship team on senior night you had to get the job done in those five minutes in overtime or there's no ceremony you're going to have to do it in the locker room in Baxter Arena next week at some point so it was just incredible to see how it played out how they rose to the occasion after the goal was disallowed, they get second life. They score 43 seconds later, and then just bedlam ensues. And it was just, yeah, like you said, an unbelievable night and an unbelievable job, I think, by the team, obviously, and by the REA to put on such an event. I mean, that felt like you were witnessing something big. When the lights go out, they put the spotlight on the cup. I, it, was, it was a special, special moment. And yeah, we were. I was privileged to, to be there for it. It was awesome. Yeah, you know, and... You know, we we talk about a lot. You know, the experience of being in the facility or the arena, and there's really no substitute when you're there. I mean, it, it's a it, it certainly, I'm sure, played well on television, so to speak, or I'm sure Tim described it well on radio. But it is kind of cool to be in the in the facility itself, and and the drama, the buildup was was amazing. You know, and you know, obviously, uh, Western scores and then gets the uh, you know the review uh, reverses the goal. And I, I think given what transpired the, the night before, I thought that that was a fair decision. I, I you know, again, I, I think you just had to be consistent. I, I mean, it would have been, it would have been difficult if, if one had gone one way and one had gone the other way. It just seems that way. I, it, I, I, I likened both of those to kind of be in the same bucket. And, uh, and so I thought that call was correct based on the night before. Now, if the night before's goal was was allowed uh, maybe that goal is allowed i don't know yeah. it's hard to say but you're right then all of a sudden there almost was another i don't know uh, impetus or or infusion of energy to try to get it done and uh you know again we would have made whatever you make out of it moving forward this weekend but to mm -hmm. win it on home ice and to kind of do it the weekend before, I guess, going into the last weekend, I think is uh, the, the sooner you can get stuff like that done, obviously you're going to sign up for that. 
Yeah, 100% agree. It was the same thing with clinching home ice for the quarterfinals. Like It was so nice for that team just to check that box off a couple of weeks ago, start focusing on the next thing. And now the Penrose Cup's been checked off. Now they want to win the thing outright because there still is a chance if UND obviously does not win either game against UNO and Duluth does get a sweep against St. Cloud State, they would share the regular season title. And then I believe Duluth would have the tiebreaker to host or be, be, to be the one seed, which isn't a huge deal, but in the grand scheme of things, I think UND does not want to live in a world where that happens. So a big test now coming up this week against Omaha. And always tricky when you have such an emotional weekend like this, filled with a championship celebration, senior night as we saw, emotional for those seven guys, really special night for have their parents out there, or Jackson Keene in Weston Mashad's case, <laughs> serving as a surrogate, which I thought was fun. But you go from that, and uh, there were great, great scenes of Brad, Barry, and the locker room after the fact celebrating with the guys and then giving them the day off of practice it just all the things that sort of go with that emotion now though you got to refocus and get ready for a maverick team that is kind of fighting for sixth place miami all of a sudden is right on their tail and i think if i'm the mavs i don't really want to play duluth in the next round i would really prefer to place anybody else really at this point so it'll be a good test coming up this weekend and again both games are going to be live on midco sn from baxter arena so excited to have those games on for you yeah, no, that is great. I, you know, we're, uh, you know, gives you a chance and a, a little bit, Alex, almost like the end of an NFL season, you know, kind of like what the Ravens were dealing with or whatever. I think, you know, Brad can sort of in the coaching staff can kind of figure out what makes sense from a lineup standpoint, but, it, <laughs> but anytime you you're strapping it on and lacing it up, you, you, you want to have a result. So, so just because, and again, maybe, maybe it's more akin to, to what you watch, uh, you know, sort of, you know, sort of kind of the Liverpool world where, you know, you're in multiple sort of, uh, tournaments and games, but you got to kind of figure out what happens, but the 11 you're putting on the field in that case, they're trying to get a result and whomever we're putting in the lineup this week, again, we're going to try to get a result. And, uh, you know, but I think, uh, but we'll be smart. We'll be thoughtful about what needs to be done uh, here. And uh, you're right. Uh, certainly Omaha, probably, I mean, if you're looking at it just from a very broad sense, I mean, obviously Duluth has been on a roll and uh, in, in, in kind of, you know, us and Duluth have kind of separated that one and two a little bit. So if you can probably avoid going to Duluth, you probably would want to do that. But again, in this league, does it really matter? <laughs> Not really. Everybody's good. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, really. I, I think yeah. you go top to bottom, strength of schedules. I think I saw something where our, our lowest was like number 16 of, of strength of schedule. You know, it's just mm. our our teams are just, you know, yeah, yeah. you're going to have some some teams that have lost games because we're all playing each other. You know, I mean, you're not going to get eight wins on a weekend. And so, uh, you know, everyone's for the most part going to go four and four. Right. I mean, you might get a tie in there. But so um, I know our, our our guys will be excited about it. But, you know, I think they have a mindset, too, that they want to continue to, you know, move forward and, and kind of figure things out. Because obviously the following week, uh, you know, we'll we'll be at home and uh, and then it all really starts again. Yeah, that's just it. It's, you know, the last regular season weekends, this particular chapter then closes, you move on to the postseason. And again, good for UND to be at home for those games. At the moment, it looks like it'll be Colorado College, but there's still a lot of points on the table. I think Miami has a five-point lead over CC for that that fight at the bottom. Um, 
And they obviously, the Tigers obviously have to play Denver, so a tough, tough home and home for them. But a lot of hockey left with six points on the table for everybody still to gain. So we'll see how those things shake out. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff does. If they do give some guys a night off for maintenance, we've seen them do that now in recent weeks with Jordan Kawaguchi a little bit banged up last week and Cole Smith banged up a bit on Friday. So they gave him the night off in game one against Western Michigan. I wonder if there'll be a guy or two who maybe is clicking around 75-80% and has been grinding through some things if they do decide to let somebody else who's healthy come off the bench and have the opportunity. Because there isn't much drop-off. I mean, this this group has really been good from top to bottom. Even some of the guys that haven't played a lot this season have contributed when they've gotten their opportunity. So... It's interesting to see what happens this weekend, personnel-wise. You know, and and I'd say that uh, you know our coaches will be thoughtful about it. But you're right. The other side of it is, if that does occur to some degree, it kind of gives others an opportunity to kind of sharpen their game because you never know uh, here as we're moving forward who we're going to need at what point in time. Playoff hockey basically started this past weekend in the way it looked out there. It's really been going on for a while now. It'll continue this weekend down at Baxter Arena again Friday, Saturday, 7 o'clock both nights. Again, catch both of those games live on Midco SN. Now, if you are traveling down to Baxter to catch the games, which is great... As you're making your way back up north, you can stop in Sioux Falls and enjoy the Summit League Tournament. That's our pitch. Come come back up, watch some basketball as well. We'll have uh, full coverage on Midco SN of the quarterfinals and semifinals. We know now that the men and women are playing who they are playing. It'll be a 3-6 matchup for the men. UND taking on USD, the team they just played down in Vermillion the other day. The women will take on South Dakota State in the 2-7. Uh, the women's game, by the way, is Saturday at 2.30. The men's game is Sunday at 6 o'clock. I have it written down right here. I can, I can just look. 8.30, excuse me. 8.30. It's on the sheet. The men's game's at 8.30. I could just look down and read it. <laughs> I mean, or you could try to remember. Uh, but the, uh, you know, yeah, second game of each session. So Saturday, first, first session, second game, and then second session uh, on the evening on Sunday at 8.30. So, uh, yeah, it's a great tournament and uh, just a lot of good ball. As we all know, I mean, you get into a, a you know a neutral court where again uh, teams aren't accustomed to playing on that court, so it's kind of the same for everybody. Crazy things happen. I mean, it'll yeah. be uh, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, you're right. Um, kind of both uh, hockey and uh, and the basketballs are kind of close to each other. So if you're interested in kind of doing the 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 double dip, if you will, um, certainly you have that opportunity. And really, based on the time of the women's game, you could go down to Omaha, watch hockey on Friday night, drive up to Sioux Falls, only about two and a half hours, watch the women's game at 2.30, then drive back. You could make puck drop easy back at Baxter Arena. Maybe not easy. You'd be awfully close, but you could make it back in time and then come back up to Sioux Falls on Sunday for the men's game. You could really have quite the weekends of four different games in two different venues if you really wanted to. Uh, The men, by the way, had... I thought, I mean, a pretty good weekend. Obviously, did not pick up a win either in Omaha or in Vermilion, but took the Mavericks to overtime in a game in which, by the way, right now feels like it was forever ago because of everything else that has happened. That was all the way back last Wednesday. But another good performance by Marlon Seward and company. Um, they just came up one point short in the end, a couple chances to win it at the end of regulation and in overtime. And then they played with South Dakota. And again, 
a battle of attrition. Guys just fouled out. Marlon fouling out. Keenan fouled. Keenan Walter just had another tough day in terms of foul trouble. It's just hard to overcome some of those things when you have three guys foul out against one of the better teams in the league. And they still played them within 10. It was a close game, just not to the end result that Paul Sather would have been looking for going into the Summit League tournament. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex, is um, probably the two things you can look at uh, on our men's side going into the tournament is uh, how well we take care of the basketball and whether or not we can keep our guys on the floor. And sometimes that's just based on how the game's called, too. And so, um, and, and, and really no slight on the officials by any stretch. I mean, games take on a different, uh, you know, um, I guess, uh, form every single time you play. But, uh, but, you know, we've tended at times to be our own worst enemy with, uh, with turnovers. Sometimes they're just self-inflicted, almost unforced turnovers kind of feels like a tennis term. Right. And, uh, so if those two things can kind of happen, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you can talk about shooting the ball well and all that other stuff, but the reality of it is it seems like those two things are, are key for our success because we just don't go that deep and uh it, today so uh um so it should be fun uh you know obviously these two teams uh know each other and i know it was uh i, I think uh meh, let's just say it, it, it teams were getting after each other a little bit on saturday so uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens on sunday it certainly sets up for potentially a a physical kind of a game coming up in the quarterfinals and a game I think UND has to feel like they can win they've played with South Dakota in both meetings this year they lost by 14 at home but but that game was a four-point game with about four minutes to go before the shots just stopped falling and then again a 10-point loss which they trailed by single digits until the very end of that contest uh, just this past week so again a UND team that is coming off a win against the number one seed North Dakota State just about 10 days ago it just goes to show this is a UND team that can beat anybody they've got Marlon Stewart obviously that is trying to keep his career going. He's leading, actually has led the Summit League in assists and points. He's having a phenomenal season. Um, both he, Keenan, and Billy, those three guys don't want to see their careers end. And we talked about it last week. This now is, you know, survive and advance or that that's it for your time playing at UND. So great opportunity for them coming up this week against South Dakota. Again, Sunday, 830 in the 3-6 matchup against the Yotes. On the women's side, too, this is a women's team that had a split this past week, a really gritty win over Omaha on the road on Thursday, 71-67, and they hung with South Dakota, who's up to number 12 now in the coaches' poll nationally. It was a close game going into the third quarter, and the Oats outscored UND 28-8. to just, just, It's such a good, complete South Dakota team that you just have to play perfect basketball to have a shot against them. But despite the loss, still, you know, Couple, couple of good, hopefully good, confidence-building games for this team now going into the summit. No doubt. Uh, that USD team is special. Uh, anytime you've got a team that has run the table in a conference, I don't care what conference it is, what sport it is, that's a pretty special achievement. And, uh, you know, it was we were in the way between uh, that occurring. And so, uh, you know, and I thought that we came out and played a pretty, uh, pretty solid first half. And, uh, you know, I mean, but no... Uh, you know, no moral victories here. I mean, I, at the end of the day, you're looking to win the game. And so, uh, but I, I think, you know, we'll take 
you know, some things from that, and I agree, uh, you know, found a way at, at Omaha to, 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 to get a W, which, which was needed at that point in time. And, uh, and now we kind of go in and, we, you know, we play uh, an SDSU team that we played pretty well uh, the last time we played them. And uh, so I think with now Melissa back for the last couple of weeks, I think we've kind of gotten back into a little bit of a rhythm right now. I, you know, you mentioned last week on the pod, still probably not as easy for her. Um, you know, it's not as free flowing as from a shooting standpoint, but, um, but I would say that in two, you know, the last two weeks, she's probably feeling better about herself at this stage. And, uh, hopefully that that'll impact the rest of the team. And at the end of the day, Alex, I mean, again, almost like what I said about the men's too, and you probably say about any team, but when you're sometimes prone for some turnovers that are, that are again, self-inflicted wounds we've got to handle the basketball well in that game to give us a chance and we get we get possessions and we get assists we're going to have a shot i would agree and and you hit it on the head this was a a South Dakota State team that came to Grand Forks a couple of weeks ago, and that was a three-point game at half, and that was Melissa Leet's first game back in the lineup, and she really affected play. Uh, State ended up winning that game by 13 in the end, but that was nip and tuck again down the stretch, and even though this SDSU team has had a ton of success, and I mean a ton of success in Sioux Falls, they seem to win that tournament every year. This is a very different Jackrabbit team than the one that has had those successes in the past, and so... Upsets happen every year. We saw a one lose to an eight last year on the men's side. Who's to say that UND can't come down? Again, North Dakota did this last year in the women's side of the bracket, beating Denver, who was the three seed. SDSU is going to have a big fan base down there, so I would really encourage North Dakota fans to come and try and get a little bit more green in that building and try and even things out a little bit. 2.30 on Saturday, great opportunity again for Travis Brewster's team to knock off one of the league powers in a place where they have just been so dominant in recent seasons. I agree with you. You know, I, I we both teams I know are gonna uh, you know prepare this weekend. Uh, you know, to to just have one heck of a tournament. So uh, if you can make it on down, like I said, the environment's great. Um, obviously, both teams are there, and uh, you'll see a lot of great basketball. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. A really, really fun weekend coming up again. Quarterfinals are Saturday and Sunday. The semis are Monday, and the title game is uh, title games are Tuesday in the afternoon and in the evening. So Midco SM will have quarterfinal and semifinal action. ESPN takes over for those championship games on Tuesday. Speaking of championships, track and field had their indoor championships in Fort Wayne this past week. A really good couple of days for North Dakota, especially on the women's side. We, we kind of hinted at this last week when we kind of previewed how things would go and and the ladies really performed up to expectations they take third their highest ever finish obviously in two years of the summit but still third place over some really good teams they just eke ahead of oral roberts a really great effort in the four by four to finish high enough to ensure they would win by a half point over oru to get on the top three and get the podium uh, spot that's really great the men finished fifth i was really impressed with how well both teams did this past weekend in fort wayne against some top competition yeah, you're right. And, you know, again, I, I think as we talked about it last week, you know, you're, you're on the clock, literally, I mean, uh, at times there and you have to perform. 
I mean, you've got to get it done. And, uh, you know, no matter what you've done in practice or what you've done, you know, leading up to it, you still have to perform that day. And so I was uh, really proud of, of, of both programs. I know Christine, uh, again, trying to get her uh, feet wet in the Summit League too, trying to get her, uh, you know, understanding kind of, you know, what, what UND and where we fit into that puzzle. But I think uh, on the lady side, for sure, it was a, it was a uh, you know, great finish for us and uh, give Lucy credit in the 400 meters, uh, getting yes. uh, the podium, uh, uh, you know, the, the gold, if you will. And so uh, I think that was a fourth all-time mark at UND as well. So, uh, so good for her. And uh, yeah, and we had a lot of others that obviously, um, you know, got uh, points for us as well. And uh, uh, just a overall uh, great, um, you know, great championships for us. Yeah. Let me give you the rundown on the women's side. Cause we had six ladies podium and that's, that's a big deal to make top three, to get bronze or better. You mentioned Lucy Steinmeier first in the 400 Hannah Oscarson, second in the three K second in the five K fourth in the mile. That's a heck of a weekend to be top four in all three of those distance races. Aaron Brown was second in the 60 meter hurdles. She set a UND record in that event in the prelims. Erica Eads was third in the 800. She also ran on the distance medley relay team. That was second. Erica Benson was fourth in the pentathlon as well. And that point total was a UND record. None of the men got on the podium, but there were a ton that finished in the top eight to to earn points for the men's side. It just, again, it was fun keeping track all weekend of how our kids were doing out in Fort Wayne. And this bodes really well for them now transitioning into the outdoor season where you get more throwing events in. There's, there's a little more on the schedule on the outdoor side of things. And I think that sort of plays to UND's strengths, the events that get added in the outdoor. So it all sets up for uh, hopefully a good run for some of these ladies, especially as they go on to try and fend for a national title and keep the season rolling before outdoor season gets going. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, it's always exciting when you've, uh, you know, you, you get to that point and you culminate and uh, you, you do a great job uh, in which they did. And, uh, and you're right, it doesn't take long, right? And now uh, track, track never, track never ends, right? I mean, you right from cross <laughs> to indoor to outdoor. So uh, if you're someone like a Christine Engel, you're just rolling. Just how it is. Just one season to the next. So congrats again to Christine and the crew for a good finish out in Fort Wayne. Uh, congrats to Jordan Jordan Stevens and the softball team uh, who had a, a successful weekend, I would say, out in San Diego. They took two out of five in the San Diego Classic. Beat Brown, beat the hosts. San Diego, no slouch there. Uh, some close losses to Cal State Northridge, Long Beach State, and Weber State. Team now 6-13, and 13, which is not bad considering the caliber of opposition they've played and the fact that they have no outdoor field to practice on at the moment because everything's still under snow. Uh, this, this team just keeps building as the Summit League season now is this month. They will start Summit League play on March the 21st. A couple of more invites to come between now and then, including one in North Carolina, but another step in the right direction for the softballers. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I, you know, this weekend uh, we're heading to uh, Wilmington, and uh, it, kind of interesting. Kind of now we'll play some East Coast teams, but I think anytime you know we go to California, especially San Diego, you know, I, I as I said to Jordan as he was flying out last week, I said, you know what, what are we? what are we up against here? You know, we knew kind of what Weber was and Weber's been a very good big sky school. So, so we know, we knew what was uh, in store for us there from a program standpoint, but the other ones, you know, there's a chance you could be playing a top 10, right? School. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, depending on, uh, you know, where they're at. So to come out with a couple of wins, I think was pretty good all leading up to really summit league play when it's all said and done. I mean, then you're kind of back in your own area code or your own bucket, if you, if you will. 
Georgetown, Presbyterian College, and UNC Wilmington are the opponents this weekend. They'll play a couple of those teams twice. It's the last warm weather invite of the year because they'll go to Nebraska uh, to play a couple of games down there the following week. And then it's out to Baltimore, which I would not necessarily call a warm weather destination in mid-March. And then summer league play starts in Macomb against Western Illinois on March the 21st. So crazy to think that that's just around the corner. But best of luck to the ladies in their travels coming up to the East Coast this weekend. Well, knock on wood. You're always uh, hopeful at the beginning of the year when you're traveling to warm climes that you don't run into some, let's just say, precipitation of some sort. It could be rain, right? I mean, fortunately, knock on wood, we've been okay. But you're right. Now, it's almost like the second part of your schedule where it can get dicey. Now now you're talking, you're, you're going to probably have to manage the elements to some degree and uh, probably a good way of going about it at this point, because as we know in this region, that's going to be part of it. Fingers crossed that things stay dry uh, to get these games in and keep things moving along. No need to worry about weather with tennis because you're playing inside at this time of year. And the women's tennis team picked up a nice win uh, against against Kansas City in Des Moines this past weekend. They lost to Drake, the hosts. Uh, They're now 4-4, though, and they have a little bit of a week off before they go to Orlando for a series of matches March the 14th through the 18th. The men's tennis team has been off since the middle of February. They're on deck uh, coming up this weekend in Oklahoma, and then they'll also go with women out to Orlando the following week. So tennis, both both teams having success. The men's 7-2 on this great winning streak. Uh, they'll get back to action this coming week and then give the women a chance to rest up a little bit before a big trip to Florida on the way. No doubt. And then, uh, and then as we're potting right now, golf is playing right now. Yes. Down in Mississippi, the Gulf Coast invite for the men. Exciting stuff there as they kind of restart their season after a little bit of a break. Yes. And so we'll end up... Uh, you know, trying to uh, play uh, more consistently now. It's funny. It's a little intermittent at the beginning, and then it gets more consistent as we, as we go along. So, uh, um, so good for Todd Schaefer and the crew. Yeah, the men in Mississippi, the women will be back in action next week in Nevada. Anything else for you, Bill, on a UND perspective? A big week that we just came off of, another big week on the way. Anything else going on? Two quickies. So uh, spring ball started for football. That's right. We've got that. Uh, and again, I, I, I'd say in the, in the day and age that we're at right now, maybe I, I would say spring ball was, mm, I, I think, took on a different, uh, I don't know, a, a kind of a, a different level of heightened uh, awareness maybe years ago. I think at this point now, where it's 15 practices. I think you, you're kind of managing, I'll, I'll say, the calendar again. So it's like a 365. Okay, now we're in our, I'll call it winter conditioning segment. Then you're kind of in your spring segment that you have the ability to do like some uh, practices for 15 times. And even there's really no spring game anymore. It's more of a wrap up, if you will, more of a situational uh, practice. And then you go kind of finish the school year academically, try to hopefully knock on wood, finish strong. Then you get into your summer segment. And at this point now, we've got our guys on campus taking summer courses and you actually can interact with them as long as they're in classes. And then you head into fall camp and then of course the year. And so, so really, I, you know, I'd say that it it never ends is a better way of putting it. And it's just kind of, it's a different part of our calendar year for, for the, uh, for the uh, team. It's so funny because it flew a little bit under the radar because of everything else that was going on with basketball starting to close out their season, hockey with their final home regular season weekends. And there was a great 
tweet from UND Insider where they had a little bit of video from the from practice and like, hey, spring football's here. Like, oh my gosh, that's right. This is this is happening right now too. So it's amazing that they're underway. And they'll have, as you said, 15 practices spread out really between now and the middle of April. Chance for the guys to build on some things from this past year. Learn not a completely new defensive system, but a little bit, some tweaks with a new D coordinator now in charge, getting to know some of the new staff members that have joined. And also, again, a, a tight battle for quarterback that we're going to be watching with Tommy Schuster, again, the quote-unquote incumbent who was a true freshman this past season, and then two new literal true freshmen that just graduated high school in December that are now on campus competing for the job. Going to be fun to see how that position battle plays out as well as the rest of the position battles around this team. Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the you know, outside of, I guess, the center who uh, will uh, will touch the ball every uh, offensive possession, more than likely the quarterback is going to, unless it's a direct snap to your running back. But at the end of the day, um, you know, having Tommy taken some snaps already in a game because of the rule that was in place, so you could play up to four games, I think helps for sure. I mean, it's nice to have someone in that quarterback room that has played at this point. Um, I'm not so sure that that you know, I, I, there, there's there's a lot going on in the spring, then probably followed by the summer, and then fall camp will be uh, probably where the real competition takes place. But uh, but you're right; it's uh, I think it's uh, it's it's fun to watch and see where these uh, position I guess positions kind of align at this stage of the game heading into the summer. Yeah, Tommy, you mentioned had that action last season, had success. I mean, was able to come in halfway through the game against Sam Houston State after Nate Ketteringham had been injured and then after Andrew Zimmerman also had been hurt. So your top two guys are down. He stepped in and played great and led him to a victory against a ranked Bearcats team. So he's got that to sort of draw back on that success. The guys know him well. But then the two guys, obviously, they've brought in Reed Neal and Quincy Vaughn. Reed from Indiana, Quincy from the Toronto area. Those guys were big time recruits and big gets for this North Dakota team. So two, two talented guys and joining the program along with one who was the Michigan High School Player of the Year two seasons ago that already has success in the program. It will be fun to watch how that shakes out and to see how that depth chart develops at that position and the rest, as you mentioned, over the course of the spring and into the 2020 season, the first year in the Valley. No question. And so the the other thing I would mention before maybe we flip for just a couple minutes on the B side is, uh, you know, uh, we've got a really good relationship with Jody and his crew. And I I think our our staff uh, athletically, they meet on a on a weekly basis trying to figure out you know how to make uh you know, the environment at the Ralph as good as it can be and, and, and be the top uh, uh, environment, and not only on the ice, uh, you know, as far as the product you're watching, but in the in the stands as well. And certainly the Engelstead uh, family has obviously is, 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 is the component as to the reasons why that is the case. But to bring back a, another uh, national championship team, the 1980 team, uh, it just was special this weekend. And, you know, we were able to honor, you know, one of those members of the team and, you know, Verge Foss had had caught us, uh, you know, uh, uh, earlier in the year when we were actually honoring him. And of course, Verge, you know, um, much like you would expect, it was worried about others and not him. And and kind of we started talking about uh, that 80 team that's coming back. And he had mentioned, you know, boy, so for some reason, you know, Mark never maybe had gotten the, the do, if you will, because it was the year before the Hobie Baker became the Hobie Baker. And so uh, so to be able to honor Mark prior to the game uh, uh, on Friday 
And then uh, also, uh, obviously, the team on Saturday was a special, special, special night. Obviously, the, the cup was huge, too, for the current team. But having the 80 team back was huge. Couple points on that. Mark Taylor that season was unbelievable. If you look at the numbers, he had 92 points. He was the captain of a national title team that won 14 games in a row to finish out the season. He was a part of this this great group that was trying to break kind of a long drought. They had not won a title since I believe what the 63 season, so it would have been seven, 17 years. And they had come so close, they lost in the title game to Minnesota of all teams in Detroit. By the way which is where we're trying to get to this year, the year before. So uh, awesome to see him get his due. And Brad Schlossman had a great article about Mark's season and his career in the Grand Forks Herald the day before he was honored like that. Great to see someone that should be up there among the program greats like Tony Herkus and Ryan Duncan, who have the Hobies in their locker. Great to see Mark get that recognition. And then, yeah, the next night again, to see the 80 team get celebrated There's just something about, I mean, obviously we celebrated the 2000 team, the 20th anniversary of that national title. You get the 40th anniversary of this title team. We just had, you know, the, there's just been so many great celebrations of these groups and the fact that the Ralph does it right. And that the UND athletics department does it right to recognize that greatness, get those guys back together for a reunion and allow the fans to relive some of those great moments that many of them would have seen and, you know, seen in person at the old Ralph in Providence when they won the title wherever it just is special I I just couldn't tell you how how impressive it was to see those guys back to see the ceremonies that 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 were done the way that it's all put on yeah a ton of credit to Jody to Chad Hopman of the REA everybody that whole staff and your staff as well Bill awesome stuff all weekends Nicole Brush led by you know for for sure from a marketing standpoint does an awesome job and Derek Endress does an awesome job and you know David Folsky and all of them I mean they do just a a fantastic Lizzie Lizzie does an awesome job so um you know, the, the, we've had three national title teams back over the last two years, and it was kind of interesting. The, the very first one we had, which was obviously the very first national title in 59, that group, lots back. I mean, many folks obviously uh, um, were back, and I think th- they all had a little bit different way about them. Like that group um, was uh, really happy to be just connected and back with each other. I think the, the 2000 team was um, excited in a different way. I think they, they were chasing kids, their own kids, you know, they're kind of in that band. This group seemed much more emotional. And, um, you know, and, and maybe it's just the, where they are, you know, it's just funny. Uh, just, I, I think they just, it, it was it, really big, big deal, obviously getting back together. And it just, uh, you could just tell, I mean, they, they were just, uh, they were tickled pink and, uh, you know, a number of them really stepped up and, uh, and took control of, of the weekend, so to speak from their perspective. And, you know, from, from my chair, I, I just try to every once in a while kind of just breeze in and be there and sort of take it all in, but it's their weekend, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's about them and connecting with each other. They, by the way, stopped by the team locker room Saturday morning, and they gave a team talk. Gino Gasparini, who was the head the head coach of that team, of course, legendary head coach at UND, talked to the guys, talked to the current team with the eighty team there, and there was so hearing from people who were there. There were a lot of tears. Guys were just so emotional, and it was <laughs> uh, Colton Sanderson, who now works with with UND athletics, was was there, and he was telling me like it was. 
Gino still has his fastball. Let's just say that. It was an unbelievable speech to get the guys fired up. And there was something special about seeing that group of legendary players in this program intermingling with the guys that are trying to become the next generation of that, the next iteration of a banner hanging team. It's special. That's that's one of the things that makes this program so special. There is such a tradition and the fact that the program looks back on that tradition and incorporates it with the new generation. It's I mean it was it was an awesome awesome weekend in general, but just to hear those some of those stories from the guys how touched they were that this group came back. Special stuff, Bill. Yeah, I mean, we the one thing we can do in the chairs that we sit is to make sure that we continue to connect all eras. And, and that's something, you know, we try to impress upon our coaches from all of their chairs that they sit in. You know, they, they have a special, you know, opportunity and to some case responsibility to, to connect the eras. Because even when, you know, even when we when I see these things occur and I, I've, I've been to a number of, uh, you know, um, football alumni uh, gatherings and, and we do something really cool in the summer. What's interesting is, you know, they'll come in uh, the, the, all of those um, former student athletes and they'll pocket with their teammates. Of course. I mean, of course they are. But if there's a way that we can make sure that we umbrella it so that everyone feels a part of it and continues to feel a part of it, that's, that's the responsibility we have. Yeah, well, kudos to the athletics department, to the REA, uh, just and, and again for the for the fans who showed up as well, because without them, it just becomes kind of a a whole hum sort of a weekend. You can have all the great lights and displays and the celebrations you want to, but if you don't have that passionate fan base that's there to share in it, it kind of comes up short. So just all around a, a weekend that I'm going to remember for a long time, and I think a lot of people that were associated with this weekend certainly will as well. Well, you played a big part in it too, and you know between yourself uh, on the television side, and of course Tim Hennessy, who's been uh, you know has seen 41 years of this, and uh, really I think that 80 team was special for him because it was like right when he started, right? I mean, ultimately I think it was year two, and so uh, you know at the end, um, just interesting when you have folks uh, that have that equity in the, in the program and you just, uh, respect it. And, you know, you just want to make sure you honor it. And, uh, it's just kind of cool. It's just, we sometimes have walking encyclopedias around here. And so you have to take adv- full advantage of that and appreciate it. Between Verge and Tim and uh, honestly, Schloss, even though he's only been here for 15 years, still, we're pretty lucky. And obviously Mitch with his time with the program now, even people like Jason Hashdu that was a part of the program for so long now lives in Kansas City. He was even like tweeting and texting different things that were going on over the course of the weekend. There's just so much love for this program amongst the people that have been around it for a while. It's, it's yeah, special, special stuff. Well, and again, if, if folks are, are willing to, to, to continue on with this pod and they're still listening right now, just want to make sure that if you were a part of it, you're always a part of it and we need you back and we need you, you could be because you have special memories that that to some degree is is only you know and to be able to uh, you know kind of unleash those is, is huge and so those are some of the other folks that absolutely you know kind of the Mark Poolmans of the world you know it's just all these folks you know Dr. Greek and just uh, all the folks that over the course of time it, you know it's a huge deal obviously you can go back the, uh, through our coaching trees as well i mean it's just just amazing 
yeah, the lineage there and the connection from one staff to the next, from one group of players to the next. I thought it was really cool as well, not to keep going off on this, but just the fact that there are so many guys who played for the program who have now seen their sons come through. And that's been a trend, you know, and for, for years, and their grandsons now for, for, for the length of this program. But I talked to Mark Chorney during the broadcast on Saturday night. Mark, who was an assistant captain on the 1980 team and then captained the team the following year. His son Taylor, of course, was a big part of the program a couple of years back. We saw during senior night, Jeff Bowen on the ice with his son Dixon. Jeff, who's a national title winner three times over. Obviously, Mark Pullman with his son Colton. Mark, a part of the program for years and years as the trainer. Casey Johnson, whose dad, of course, was a part of the program in the 60s and 70s. There's just so much connection. And you can see that that's what makes the current group even that much more motivated because they've been a part of this program because their dads were a part of the program or their family was a part in some way, shape or form. And hockey is a small community, even though it's big and there are a ton of people who play the sport. It still feels so close knit. And there's still so much tightness that goes beyond what happens on the ice. And this weekend was another good example. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I'm glad we went uh, longer on the A side because uh, that was incredibly important to uh, to understand our, again, um, you know, how important it was certainly this weekend for, for the 80 team, but how important it was for us as a university and uh, to honor, you know, those folks that, uh, you know, it was a special achievement. And that doesn't discount any other program that, you know, didn't win the national championship. But at the end of the day, you know, national titles certainly are special. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got to make sure you honor them uh, when, uh, when, quote unquote, those anniversaries occur. Yeah, we have had eight of those teams in UND's history. This current group trying to make it nine this never season. Never know. You never know. It's they, it's they certainly are capable. We have seen a lot of evidence that this team is capable of hanging a green banner. They've already hung a white one, or will at least next season. It's exciting to think that there could be a few more special moments like we had this past Saturday to come over the course of this season. Well, we'll do a quick flip. Let's just do a quick flip, and then uh, we'll call it good. This will maybe be our shortest B-side of, of the year, but that's okay. <laughs> It's partly short because we have we have uh, sad things to talk about from a soccer perspective, at least. Spurs gave up a 2-1 lead over Wolves to fall 3-2, unfortunately. Tough tough one there because now you're kind of down in seventh place. Even though everything is still so close, there's still nine games or ten games, excuse me, left in the season. But, you know, you would have liked to maybe win that one over a team that you're fighting with for one of those Champion League spots. Yeah, we're... Uh, I, there's like, We've said it over and over. There's about... If the city band stands there's probably six teams that are vying six seven teams are vying for the uh i'll say certainly spots four and five although lester had kind of a curious loss too but that's 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 the that's the league i mean you know there's every team is going to win games i mean they are pretty good and so uh yeah bad loss i you know they're just whatever leaky defensively (laughs) i mean just not good they score twice i mean at at the end of the day i'll say this without kane and son and they score twice you would think you get a result at home you would think i don't think that that's unfair and at worst case scenario at least a point but but to give up three eh, not so good not great uh jose Mourinho after the game i believe his words were i don't think the result was fair he was upset. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. But that's instant, you know, Jose quickly trying to defuse, not defuse, that's not the right word because he usually is an incendiary figure, but to try and downplay, you know, what happened out there because now he's maybe feeling a little bit of pressure just based on how things have gone. But he said, we created chances. We had the ball more. I don't think a loss is a fair result. So there you go, Jose. I saw 
I think four of our white jerseys like sitting sitting in the box like watching uh, you know, a gold jersey roll around and then put it away. And it's like, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I think their first two shots maybe resulted in goals. I mean, that might have been it. But to me, that's soccer. You know, I mean, to me, it's like it, it's it's sometimes you're just not going to get shots on net. But but boy, when you get them, you might get quality opportunities and you got to bury them. And that's what the Wolves did. The Wolves are scrappy. They're a good team. I mean, there's a reason why they're now sixth and are moving on to the next round of the Europa League. It's they're they're good. I mean, this is not a weak side that you lost to. They're a good team. Yep. And I said to you pre-pod. I mean, I I won't go too deep onto the Liverpool world, but you guys had not lost like in forever in the in the Premier League to lose a match. Big deal. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, really. You you had zero on your loss line. Now you have one. Okay. I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I, I tend to think so too. I mean, it's it was a disappointing loss, just the nature of it. They lost three nothing at Watford, who's one of the worst teams in the league, quote unquote. But I get it. Was Elton they, John they, there? I, I, you know what? They never showed him in the stands. So I'm going to assume that he wasn't. The Elton John stand was full because half of the half of the stadium is named after him. But yeah, the Hornets. Yeah, three goals in the second half. Yeah, not great defending, but. You were bound to have one of these types of games. And again, I would rather have it come here than in the FA Cup, which they've got a big match coming up against Chelsea, or more importantly, the Champions League, where they have a second leg against Atletico in Anfield in a couple of weeks. I knew we were in trouble before the game started because NBC showed the remaining fixture list for Liverpool. And next to all the matches, they had what record Liverpool could break in them. Like, oh, you can break City's Premier League record for consecutive wins if they would have won this match. Because they had won 18 in a row in the league. They could break, you know, Arsenal's unbeaten run. Like, all the different things they could break. And it was listed out on this sheet. I was like, there's no way. (laughs) This is probably going to be the day when we start looking that direction of like, oh, look at all the things they can accomplish. Like ah, That's usually when things start to go wrong. So When's the last time you won the league? It's been, what, 30 years ago? 1990. 30 seasons ago. Yeah, 30 seasons ago. So, honestly, that's what you're trying to check off, right? And you're so far ahead that that in some ways, it kind of gives you a chance to sort of manage your schedule. I mean, even if you drop another one or two in the league this year, I I would assume you're going to manage to playing, making sure that you're at your full apex when you need to be, right? Yeah, that's the goal. I I mean, really, this is... and. You said it too, pre-pod. This, you don't want to be the Golden State Warriors who won 73 games in the regular season but didn't win the title. And you wouldn't want to be, from a Liverpool perspective, you could go the season, be invincible, win the title. Like, that's going to happen. Those two things would go hand in hand, of course. But you wouldn't want to do it at the expense of a deep run in the Champions League or an opportunity to win an FA Cup. Like, those are the, those are the trophies that are still out there that you could win. And you, you probably would rather have two trophies and lose a couple of games in the Premier League than have the one trophy and be invincible, but crash out in the round of 16. I would rather have the two trophies, personally. I'd, I'd like to have both of them, or three of them. I want the treble, Bill. I don't want to just win the one. <laughs> so it probably works out okay in the long run. And, and help me with this one. I think the, our, our, the Carabao Cup, was, was, uh, the, that was uh, uh, completed this weekend, huh? Manchester City beating Aston Villa two to one. It's their third straight Carabao, which is which is the, you know the lesser of the cup competitions, but it still is a trophy. It's still a big deal. 
Liverpool won one a handful of years ago. That was like the first trophy I'd seen them win, and it felt pretty good. So I don't begrudge City. It was a nice, nice win over a Villa team that's fighting for relegation. They just keep marching on, even though they've got this financial fair play ban that they're trying to appeal that's looming, and good for them. That will be interesting for sure. Well, hey, I, I think there's more stuff that at, at some stage of the game we can probably talk, you know, like what's happening from an NCAA standpoint. I think that's a future pod at some stage. I, I do think there's – I read a, a tremendous article, a really deep dive in The Athletic this weekend on some of the NIL stuff and, and kind of where it is with, with, with various states and kind of repercussions. And it, it is quite interesting, uh, you know, when whenever um, – I'll call it an enterprise is, you know, into let's just call it Washington, DC. It really puts that enterprise in an interesting place because you don't know what's going to transpire from there. And uh, it's just going to be really fascinating. And it being an election year right now, uh, there's, yeah. you know, there's that piece of the puzzle too. I mean, there there's, you know, again, if this was, let's just say, uh, a year into someone's presidency, uh, it may not garner or gain that as much maybe spotlight as as it as it might now because it seems like everything's somewhat emphasized when you're in an election year. It tends to be, yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting if that becomes something that becomes a topic of conversation over the course of these debates. You never know who's going to kind of insert themselves as a, yeah. NCAA spokesperson from the presidential race. You never know. Crazier things have happened. Wow. That's right. All right. Well, hey, Alex, I I really do appreciate you. And like I said, uh, I know we'll we'll be catching up with each other in Sioux Falls this weekend for sure. We'll have to figure out the pod for next week because it could be Sioux Falls could, uh, I don't know, uh, could have issues there or maybe we do it in the studios. We have options. We certainly have options this coming week. We'll we'll discuss. We will we will discuss and it'll be good. So looking forward to a fun weekend of basketball, a fun weekend of hockey on the road. Appreciate you, Bill. Enjoy the week. Sounds good. For Bill Shaves, for Casting Owls, our producer, I'm Alex Seinert. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed what really was a special weekend of hockey here at the Ralph Angelstad Arena. Enjoy this UND team as they move forward. Enjoy this basketball weekend that's on the way. Keep supporting North Dakota Athletics and we'll chat next week.